Uh, country fans out there? Any country fans? Wow. That was a, not as I expected. I, uh, in full confession, that's like the first country song that I've ever walked up to. I'm not a big, uh, not a big country guy, but the lyrics of country songs, I'll say, you know, they're, they got some good ones. And so this, uh, this song, what I like about Sundays is talking about kind of the, the normal expectations some people have. Uh, this is written from a perspective of you go to church, you make the most of it, but then you got to go home, you got to eat your fried chicken. That's what you do on Sundays. In California, that's not exactly the same. Uh, he says change into blue jeans. That means that you don't wear blue jeans to church. <laughs> not necessarily in California, but each of us have a kind of a, a, a picture in our heads of what Sunday is. If you grew up in the church, then that meant probably you went to church early. You stayed most of the day and you may have gone back Sunday night. And that was your Sunday. It was just all church all the time. If you didn't go to church on Sundays growing up or even as an adult, Sundays is like, that's your last day to enjoy your weekend. You sleep in, brunches are good, right? And so your, you know, picture of Sundays is different. And so our goal of this series that we're on called Sundays, as you can see, is to actually talk about what the Bible has to say about what are we supposed to do as we gather together. And anytime you talk about kind of gathering together in church, uh, there's a lot of traditions that we we've experienced in life. There's a lot of traditions that we even do things that we do over and over again. And these can become uh, just repetitious without us necessarily thinking about the meaning behind them. And so our goal of this series is to let's talk about the things that we tend to do repeatedly on Sundays as a church. But look at the Bible as to why we do them. And so this series is not just what we do, but why we do them. And so I want to just kind of review uh, where we've been over the last uh, few weeks. And I want to kind of share a quote that I shared a couple weeks ago. And this is what somebody said about the successful Christian life. A successful Christian life involves attention to three books, God's book, the pocketbook and the hymn book. Last week, we talked about the importance of biblical teaching as we gather on a Sunday. And the reason God's book is so important is because that's really God's word to us. So we know how to live our life. And so as a church, when we gather on a Sunday, we want to make sure a big part of what we do is look into the scriptures to find out what God wants us to do, to find out how we should view our life, how we should make decisions. And the Bible is actually something that's meant to be applied to our daily life. And so on Sunday, our goal is to talk about the scriptures with the goal of sending people into their world to actually live it out. The first week we talked about this idea of the hymn book and why do we sing songs to God? We've just sang a song of this is my offering, talk about offering my life. And we sing songs of, of praise and worship. And we talked about why we do that. And for the Christian, a song is a representation of really all that God has done for us. And it's just a way to show our gratitude for the life that, that he's given us and what he saved us from, what he's helped us with in our life. It's just this kind of outward expression. And so singing back to God is something that is really important, although we may not do it uh, with a group of people any other time besides a Sunday. And then today we're talking about the pocketbook uh, aspect of the Christian life. And that is how does the offering and how does giving play a role on Sundays? And every Sunday uh, we have an offering and that usually happens after the message. And there's all sorts of things that come to people's mind as they think about an offering. 
especially if you're new to church, there's a part of you that may not be quite sure on what's the church's view on my giving and should I give. And here at Church in the Valley, we want people that are new to Church in the Valley, especially people that are investigating what it means to follow Christ. You're really not required to give to the church. You can come and you can be a part of things. And the responsibility to give is, is actually not on you. It's for the members and regular tenders who make this church go. And a lot of that is not by just service, but by by giving as well. And so giving and the offering is a central part of what we do on a Sunday, even though it happens very quickly. For me growing up, I grew up in a traditional church and the offering was the time when you'd have the special instrumental music. And so it was actually a time where you kind of took a step back and you just enjoyed like what the hint, like, what are those called? Uh, organs. It was called the, the hymn, but that the organs, and we had an organist and he was, he was like a 90 year old man. He was like awesome. And, you know, he would he would just kind of play on Sundays and we'd have the piano, we'd have the organ. And but during the offering, dude would get fired up and he would just start like, you know, and the offering just became this kind of concert. And this was a big part of my own experience. The offering was this kind of time in the service when you didn't sing, you listened and you listened to the instrumentalists. Well, we don't really have that here at Church in the Valley but it is still a, a big part of, of what we do. And so today's message is talking about the aspect of why is giving an offering a part of our service every week? And I just want to kind of highlight some things that you may think or you have thought of as you've thought about when the offering comes by or just this idea of money in church. And some of the time we can have like a negative experience with we just come to church and they're just going to ask us for our money. And so I want to kind of use this message to kind of highlight some of the things that we think, some of the things that kind of we're maybe averse to and, and talk about well, what, what does the Bible actually have to say? But here's some things that may have gone in in your head before as the offering comes by. These are thoughts that kind of can swirl. I can't really afford to give right now. It doesn't fit into my budget. It's simple math. Now, you don't say that out loud but as it comes by. You're just thinking. I just I can't I can't give it's just this is not the the time of my life based on all the things I have to spend my money on. I, I just can't give an offering. Another thought is I, I don't really want to give anything, but people might notice if I don't. And I don't want anybody to think I'm cheap. It's the idea of if I don't put something in there, how many people are watching and writing that down? Mm, Alex, today, just kind of look the other way. But we can t- kind of have these thoughts. What do people think? A lot of times that happens in relationship to money. Another thought is just the idea of does it make a difference? And the thought is my little gift won't make much of a difference. Even if I give like my whole 10 percent of my income, that's not really going to help the overall mission. Kind of like my little piece doesn't really doesn't really matter. Well, well all these are, are actually normal. And if you thought that, you know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and then you're driven out of the church because these are normal thoughts. And anytime we, we think about money, there's a part of us where we have to really deal with our own hearts, our own mot- motives. And the whole other aspect of that is we actually have to decide before God what he wants us to do. And so despite kind of your own thoughts and your experiences and the things related to your own money and the church and, and all that, I want you to kind of kind of take all of that and decide and ask God today. God, help me to think the way you want me to think about this area. And I encourage you to do that. Because I know for myself, I have a lot of experiences and I have just a lot of things that have happened where I can get twisted up because of just my my past and my own thinking. And sometimes it's immaturity, sometimes it's what people have done to me. And, and that can kind of, I guess, dilute the message that, that God wants 
me to hear. And this can happen so much related to money, specifically and the church. And so I want you to kind of recognize maybe some of those things and then ask God to, to help you to hear what he wants you to hear uh, today. The, uh, the song that we sang right before the message was, this is my offering, and it's this idea of, of offering my life up to God. Well, that really is what Sunday is all about. And we kicked off the series talking about what's the point of us being together. And Romans 12.1 gives a big kind of reason and a big statement of why we gather. And I just want to review that because it's, it's helpful. And it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. When we come on Sundays, we actually come to worship together. But so much of what we do is not just the what, it's the heart of it. And the heart of us worshiping together is this recognition that we want to present our whole lives to God as a sacrifice. The idea there is we want to surrender our will, our goals, our agenda, our opinions, and our whole life to God. And this idea of the sacrifice was based on this idea of when we've sinned and, and messed up in the Old Testament, you had to make a sacrifice to God. And it was your, usually the, the spotless, the pure lamb. But since Jesus came, he paid the ultimate price for us and he died on the cross. He became our sacrifice so that our sin was actually paid for once and for all through Jesus Christ. And so when we come on Sunday, it's this recognition that because of what Jesus has done for us, we want to just give our lives back to God. An old pastor of mine said a statement, though, about this living sacrifice. The problem with the living sacrifice is that when they're placed on the altar, they get up and leave. Right? Like a lamb, when it's sacrificed, it's, it's dead. It's just there. But a living sacrifice, you actually have freedom. And if you're like me, there's just part of that freedom that oftentimes we battle that feeling and that urge. Well, I don't necessarily want to surrender everything to God. I kind of want to hold onto this for myself. Maybe it's an ambition. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a decision. Maybe it's something that we really care about. We would just want to hold on a little bit. We want to sacrifice some, but, but not all. And so there's this, this battle that happens. The scripture talks about this, too, in Romans 1.21, kind of before Romans 12. It says this, for all they, for all they, they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. This is actually a warning to those who follow Christ and know about God and have maybe grown up in the church. It's the sense of just because you've grown up in the church and you have a sense of who God is, there's always that tendency where we can really ignore God and his ways and decide to really do life independent of him. Ultimately, that's where all of us were born. We, we have our own will. We have our own agenda. And it's easy for us to just kind of go about life our own way. And so when we gather on Sundays... Our goal is as a church to recognize this in us and ask for God's help that we'll be reminded of his mercies, of his goodness, and ultimately that we'll choose to surrender our lives to him. So everything we do on a Sunday is supposed to be this picture of surrender, but we still have to deal with our hearts. Francis Schaeffer said this, the beginning of man's rebellion against God was and is the lack of a thankful heart. It's just this forgetfulness of all that God has done. And we can approach God, and that trickles into our other relationships, with this sense of people owe us. And when we approach God like he owes us, 
we actually fail to remember what he's already given us. And so I need help. And on a Sunday, I get exposed to things. And as I sing songs, sometimes what I realize is my, my heart can kind of begin to just soften and to warm up. And this idea of the lack of a thankful heart, I, I find this can happen to me every day. I wake up and sometimes I'm just not thankful for what God has given me. I'm tired. I'm stressed out. I have my own goals and, and I really want them. And I need God's help every day to kind of loosen that rock in my heart and to begin to warm it up. So on Sundays, that, that's our goal, but it's, it's this daily choice that we have to make. And so we want to kind of go from these thoughts about living as a sacrifice and kind of that pull of just wanting to do life our own way. We have to get to the point where we're willing to give our, our whole lives to God. And as we're willing to give our whole lives to God, that really impacts what we're willing to give of our money. Because if we're willing to give our whole lives, then our money and our resources falls under that. But if we're not willing to give our whole lives, then really money doesn't make sense because that's mine. And I earned it. And it was hard to get. And to just give it up like that, I'm never going to get that back. These are all things that, that we fight. And so here's kind of what the scriptures want us to get to the point of. And then I'm going to talk about this more. They, they want us to get to the point when we think of giving our money. It's really an expression of giving back to God what he's given to us. So this, this is the thought that we want to get to. Lord, I'm thankful for the mercy you've shown in place of the judgment I deserve. So I'm giving this offering as an expression of my gratitude. That's why we do an offering on a Sunday. It's an expression of a gratitude of surrendering our life to God. And practically, that comes out in how we spend our money and what we give to. And this sentiment is actually found again and again in the scriptures, specifically with people that have walked with God. They've come to these realization points that everything that they've been given comes from him. And so when you really kind of nail that, if you're a Christian, that is crucial for you to nail in your thinking. Everything that you have been given comes from God. Sometimes that takes time to get there. But that's kind of crucial to the Christian life. It's this idea that he is the one who's imparted all the blessing in my life. And that leads to a life of gratitude as we give it back to him. So I want to just talk briefly about what giving an offering is supposed to remind us of. The first thing is giving an offering should remind us of the one who gave us everything. Okay, this is the place where we want to kind of end up. It reminds us of the one who has given us everything. I want to read some passage in the scriptures in the Old Testament from King David. Uh, king David is probably one of the most renowned kings in the Old Testament. Uh, he was described as a man after God's own heart. He was successful. He was popular. Uh, he accomplished things like killing Goliath and, you know, stories that we heard of growing up. This, this King David, is, he, he kept relying on God. God just kept expanding his influence over people. But he got to a point based on his success where he had built himself this mansion with all the, the resources of success that he had. And he got to this point where he was looking around him and he's looking at what he had built. This, this mansion and he looked at all the resources he had, the gold, the silver, the treasures. And he realized, like, I have all this and God has blessed me. But there's not a place, there's not a temple where God can dwell. There's not a place for, for us to worship him. 
the one who's given me all these these blessings. And so David began to kind of get this plan like I want to build a temple for God because he's given me so much. I want to give back to him. And that's a crucial idea that you find again and again in Scripture is as we're building our own lives and as we're building our families, a Christian should always be looking at how does God want me to build his kingdom as well? It's okay to actually want to advance in a career. It's it's okay to actually make money. It's okay to be successful. But the Christian is somebody who realizes there's never a point in which my own success can part ways with actually giving to what really matters in the kingdom of God. In fact, my success and the resources that God gives me is a way that I can actually push forward the kingdom of God. Those are always together. So David realized this in his own life. And so he began to talk to people and he talked to the prophet Nathan and he gave this plan of, I want to build this temple for God so people can remember of all the things that he's given us, be reminded of, of his blessings and be the place where we can worship him and Kind of Nathan broke the news to him and said, well, that, that actually is not going to happen. That's going to be Solomon who's going to build the temple. You're not going to have the opportunity to do that. And so David made a choice then and there. Well, I'm just going to gather all the materials, all the resources. I'm going to look at all that we can get so this temple, when it's time to be built, can be built. And it can be a place where people can worship God and God can dwell there. And so he worked at gathering all these materials, all these possessions, and he encouraged people to do the same. Remember what God has done for you. Remember all that he's provided. Let's give some back so we can build this temple. Let's build something for God. And he gets to this point where everyone had gathered all the materials and they looked around. He says, okay, this is, this is a start. Let's present all this to God as, as an offering. That is, let's offer this to God so that when the time comes, his temple can be built. And I want to pick up this story and narrative as it happened as he gathers all the people, as the supplies have been caught up. And this happens in First Chronicles 29. And it says this, Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. That's all the people were gathered with all the things that they had collected. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Now, In scriptures, you find sentences and then you find sentences, like with a capital S. This is one of those sentences. Anytime you read the scripture, you have to take a breath. There's a lot in there. This is one of those. And this is just a prayer that David is saying. And he's saying, blessed are you, O God, and you're our our father forever and ever. And you are great and you are powerful and you're glorious and you're victorious. You have all the majesty and everything that exists is yours. This is a way of saying in a beautiful way that you're the ruler of all. You are the ruler of all. There is none more powerful. You are the ruler of all. And then it says, yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. And then he continues, both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. So you see, this idea of the offering was this outward expression of all that David had experienced. When he says both riches and honor come from you, David isn't just using empty words. He had experienced that firsthand. The people of Israel had experienced that firsthand. He had blessed them. 
He had provided for them again and again and again. Sometimes it was with extravagance. And sometimes it was just with survival, just giving us the bread for this day so we can survive. But David's just reminding all the people of God. He's the ruler of all and everything good comes from him. So this is the basis of why we give back to God because of the blessing that he's given to us. So again, this is kind of the thought that we should have as we give back to God. Father, I'm giving this back to you to honor you for the life and everything else you've given me. This is the thought. When we give back to God, it's just this reminder of the blessings that he's given to us. So that perspective is so important. Without this perspective, it's really hard to give. It's hard to give to God. It's really hard to give to anyone. But when you realize how blessed you are and what you've been given from God, that perspective is supposed to lead us to this part where like, who am I to withhold back from God all that he's given to me? So that's an important aspect that David is describing. The other thing is that giving an offering also helps accomplish God's work in the world. And David knew this. He didn't just say, let's just build this temple just to thank God. It was actually more than that. He wanted God's purposes to extend to the next generation. And he wanted his purposes to extend to the next generation after that. And so David is having this, this long view. As we give to the kingdom, as we give back to God, we want this to not just be something that ends with us. We want our children and their children and their children to have this picture of this God who has provided for us. He's made us and he's given us all that we need. And so I want to share some more perspective because it's so rich in, in just this, this picture of God and his provision. And in four, verse 14, as he goes on, it says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? So he's just saying, how could we even do this? Like, why do it? What place do we have to do this? And then he goes on for all things come from you and of your own. Have we given you again? We're just giving willingly because of what God's given us. And then he gives some important perspective for we are strangers before you and sojourners as all our fathers were. So now he's talking about kind of the place in the world that people who follow God have. And it's this idea of a stranger and a sojourner. Now, remember, David is the king. I don't know if. There's ever been a time in history where a king has said, we're we're just a stranger and a sojourner. You're king, you're royalty. But he's reminded that his life was not just about here and now. And a stranger and a sojourner lives life with a certain perspective, right? They're they're just passing through. You're not building things because you don't know how long you're going to be in that area. And so David has this view of life. I don't want to just build everything for myself because my life is, is a breath. I'm just a stranger. I'm just a sojourner. I'm here one day. I could be gone the next. That is crucial perspective from the king who really decides whatever he wants. So for him to say this is this powerful reminder of God's place and God's rule versus our rule and, and our place. And then he goes on. Our days on the earth are like a shadow and there is no abiding. Again, this is all in the context of what we build in our life, what we give our resources to. It's just saying it's, it's so quick. Life is a breath. O Lord, our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. 
See the theme coming again? He didn't say, God, I have worked years and years for this. Here you go. Make it count. That's God. You've given me everything you provided for me. I'm just opening my hand. And I'm opening my hand with the things that you've put in there. What tends to happen is God puts things in our hand and he provides for us and then we just want to close it. And over time, we forget that God was the one that put it there. David's saying, no, no, my hand was open. You provided and it remains open to give back to you. So it goes on in verse 17. I know, my God, that you test the heart and have pleasure in uprightness in the uprightness of my heart. I have freely offered all these things. And now I have seen your people who are present here offering freely and joyously to you. I want to stop there because it's easy to sometimes just read some of what's happening in this this scene and forgetting what's happening. They're giving just their resources and all these materials that they've gathered. And we don't really know the time frame specifically of how long they gathered all these things to give back to God. But I imagine it was a, a time, you, you know, you ever been storing things? You've got to find it. We have garages. We have to go in the garage. We have to find it. We have to pull things from shelves. We have to go in our rooms. We go in drawers. And we, it takes a while. We have to search for things. We have to find them. We have to gather them. We have to transport them. And so there's this picture of they've been working hard at gathering all these all these things. But he gives this, this crucial perspective of the attitude of the people. The attitude is so important. Because again, so much of what we do in life is not just the what, but the why. Why do we do it? How do we view things? And he's saying that we're offering freely and joyously to you. Here's a key question you, you have to, to wrestle with. If I follow God... If I become a Christian, if I decide that, that God is going to be the boss of my life, do I have to give? Do you have to give? That's a key question. God actually can't make you do anything. You don't have to give. There's a freedom that exists in a relationship with God. And any healthy, good relationship has freedom. God can't force you to give. The second question is, but are there consequences if I don't? In my own experiences, yes. Anytime I'm not obeying what God tells me to do, there's consequences. But there's freedom. And so the Christian life is always, how do I use my freedom? But at the same time, use my freedom to obey and do what God wants me to do. Because there's always cause and effect. God's made the world that way. Every choice has an impact. And here David's saying that we're a group of people gathered, not under compulsion, not forced to give to you, God, but we want to offer freely and joyously to you. Now, I don't know exactly how the joyous was measured. I don't know. Like, how does David know that people were full, filled with joy? You ever thought about that? Like, are they gathering? And they're just like, this is, this is awesome. And they're going around like, wow, you've got that. I can't even chariot thing. It's terrible. This is what happens right off my head. I just thought of this, right? But you don't know what, you just can imagine like this joy. Like, what does it look like? Was it just smiles? These people have their seven. They're just smiling. But you know, it was, people were filled with joy and, and it was free. So the, it wasn't like a forced smile, like, Thanks, David, for this opportunity. 
right? It was just genuine joy. We can't wait to come together to pull our resources to give back to God. Just like just amazing experience as you as you read it. They're excited. They're filled with joy. It's like the spectacle. Like I would love to have seen what that looked like, because how instructive it would be for us. So David gives all this perspective, and then he says, "O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, keep forever such purposes and thoughts in the hearts of your people, and direct their hearts towards you." This is his long-term view. By him naming the fathers of Israel, he's saying, God, you've walked with us and we've messed up a lot and you've walked with us and we've messed up a lot and we've withheld from you, but you continue to be merciful. God, keep your purposes in our hearts. So now he's looking back out of the faithfulness of God and then he's looking forward. May this be what happens forever. May we be people who follow God and keep his purposes on the forefront of our life. And so when we're giving, we're not just giving out of compulsion. We're not just giving because God told us to. We're actually giving out of everything that he's given to us. And then we're giving to push the kingdom of God forward. This is the picture that David is is making. And so when we give, the practical application of this is just that. When we give, it expresses our gratitude of what God has given to us. That's just a really important principle to know. Like anytime you give to the kingdom of God, and when you give at Church in the Valley, you're actually giving, and it's a practical expression of what God has given to you. And that's what David is saying. So think about that for a moment. What has God given you? What has he given you? I don't know the last time you thought about that. But that's crucial. What has God given us? And then out of that, think, well, do we have anything to give to him? And so on a Sunday, oftentimes the offering can be the quickest thing that happens. But it's the same as singing to God. Singing to God is a expressing our worship. But every time you give to God, you're expressing expressing your worship to Him as well. Our goal and our challenge is to remember the words of David as we give back to God. Everything is from you. You are the ruler of all. And so when we give, it's from this heart of, of gratitude for all that God's given us. And then second, all our offerings further God's work here at church in the valley and beyond into the world for God's purposes. I just wanted to highlight, we have an amazing group of people here at church in the valley that give regularly to support the work of the church. And like anything, as you can imagine, without money, you actually can't do much. I don't know about you, but in my own budget, towards the end of the month, the money runs out. You guys understand, like, does that happen to you? And like you're sometimes counting down the days before you get paid again. Does this ever happen? Are you guys like, no, we have surplus. We have the vault. Do we have the safe? Is that you? Okay, it's not me. Towards the end of the month, it's like, is this a 30-day month? 31. You ever do that? Like April, May, June. Is this, is this November? It's 30 days. Sometimes that one day, but that happens to me, right? At the end of the month, I'm like, 
we're on fumes. And then you're starting to like calculate, like, do you eat out? Because like we need groceries or do you buy groceries and not eat out? You ever done that? Like, which is cheaper? Is it better just go grocery shopping or eat out like you balance that? Some of you guys are acting like you've never thought this before. It's kind of maybe I'm the weird one. Okay, but like this kind of happens at, at the end at the end of the month. You're just thinking like, how do I how do I make things happen? And sometimes that, that's how life is. And even that is faith. God, help me to re- rely on you in the midst of not quite sure where everything is going to come from. That's a part of worshiping God as well. Trusting him. We have a group of people here that even in the midst of life and all the demands of budgeting, they, they decide that they're going to carve out money each month to give to Church in the Valley. And because of that, we actually can do things that God wants us to do as a church. And I just wanted to highlight some of these because sometimes it's, it's easy to just forget we're a church. And what role do I have? Well, you, you actually have a key role. And a lot of that is even in your giving. And so I just want to highlight some of the things that we've been able to do as you've given. Um, we've done events as a church. You'll see a picture here of the harvest party. It actually takes money to gather a group of kids together. Because if you had a harvest party and you didn't have candy, would you want to go? No, right? Candy costs money. And so when you give, you, you help do that. We've also done city events. This is for the the Christmas tree lighting where we've just met hundreds of people from the community and and given coloring books books and and free candy canes. It's just our way of letting them know we're a church and wishing them a Merry Christmas. That that takes money. We can't do it without money. Uh, Other things that we do, we we have staff members here that direct huge portions of, of church life. We are able to meet here at Mark Keppel. Meeting here has money. Now, if next week I started a rotation and it's called... Have church at your house Sunday. Right? Like, that would be kind of awkward. Like, every Sunday we're emailing the church, hey, this week it's at this person's house. Next week it's at... And actually, there's churches that do that, and that's fine. If that's what they need to do. We've been blessed. We can actually meet the same place every week. Not only that, but we can offer seminars and and classes that that bless people and meet felt needs. This is all what what the church uh, does. We also support a network, the 17.6 network, which actually has allowed us to do training programs here at Church in the Valley. All that development and training of people, it, it does cost money. It can be done actually very reasonably, but we've done a couple training programs called North Star, which is a, a leadership training program for kind of helping people become leaders in the church and giving them resources so that they can lead. Uh, here's a picture of the graduates from the Diamond Bar and Alhambra campus this past year. We also have the Antioch training program that, that we do, which is really to train future church planters and, and pastors in churches. And all this, it, it takes money. But sometimes that thought of I just doesn't make a difference. I want to let you know it, it does. What you do makes a difference. It allows us to exist as a church. And not only that, but because of the trainings that we're doing and people that are being sent out, it trickles out into the world as people decide to live for God where he sends them. So all this happens through the resources. And so I just want to highlight how you can give at Church in the Valley. Now, again, this can sound like a pastor saying, so take out your checkbook and send it to my house. 
Right. That's when you, you got start to get concerned. That's not what I'm saying. But so much of the time, if giving is such a big part of spiritual growth and maturity, which it is. You can't not talk about the place of giving because the Bible talks about it. And so you have to talk about it because it's important. It's a big part of maturity. But to talk about it, but then not explain how you can do it is a disservice. So this is kind of can sound more chore related, like how do you give? But in the midst of it, I want you to remember, it's not, again, how you do it, but the attitude behind it. And the attitude is so much more important than how you do it, because giving can become like a chore. We have our bills, right? And you do online banking or you send the envelope and the checkbook and it can just become every week it's a chore. But when we give to God, it's so much more than a chore. And that's what David was expressing. It's an opportunity to give back to God what he's given to us. And at the same time, build a kingdom that will not pass away in this life. That's what David's reminding us. So that the attitude is, is more important. But at Church of the you can give through the giving envelope. There's a picture here. Each week, uh, we put that in the program. I don't know if you've noticed. But every week we put that in because we want people to have an opportunity. Like, this is how you give. You can either use the envelope on a Sunday or you could take it home and send it in. The postage is provided. A uh, second way is you can give online. And we have a website. You can go to giving and then you can give online and you can follow the steps through that. And then you could just do kind of the old fashioned way if you're like not into using an envelope and having to lick something or going online to the interweb. You can actually just as the offering basket comes by. You can give. So all those are, are ways that we can express this idea of, of giving back to God based on what he's given to us. But again, the attitude is more important because God wants us to give freely and joyously. And so I just want to wrap up just some next steps. If, if you're giving now, giving in scripture is really based on this idea of you give 10 percent back to God. That actually wasn't just decided by someone early in the church. It's taken from what a tithe means. A tithe is what we're supposed to give to God. And when that's translated, that actually means a tenth. We're supposed to give a tenth of our income to God. And that tenth represents the whole. So out of all that God's given us, we give a tenth back to him. So 10% is really kind of the biblical basis for giving. But you can give 10% and sometimes your, your heart can just not be in it. So I encourage you, if you're giving currently 10% or more to church in the Valley, one of the things you may want to do is just in your attitude, be reminded of why do you do that? And take the time to take an inventory of what's God given to you. Cause I know for me, sometimes I need to take a step back from the things that I do and be reminded of why I do them. And from that, that is where the meaning is. That's where the purpose is. And that actually rejuvenates me. So sometimes it's, it's perspective. If you are not giving 10%, maybe you're a new Christian. And really, giving is something that you have to exercise your faith muscle. It's a huge step of faith because anytime you give money, you're not sure where that money's going to go and you don't know how it's going to come back to you. So there's a lot of fear that can be involved in giving. I, I recognize that. I deal with that in my own life. If I give this to God, like, what's going to happen if an emergency comes up? And all the scenarios that we all have, it's easy to just get into that. And so if you're not giving 10%, I encourage you to, to take a step 
and choose a percentage to give. Because it's very hard if you've never given anything to give 10%. So I encourage you to kind of start with a percentage and ask God to grow your faith and to keep increasing that. As you do, your, your faith will grow. The way I kind of picture it, it's like riding a bike with, with, with training wheels. You ever done that? You remember kind of what that's like? Well, one of my kids just has kind of left the training wheels and now is on the big bike. But I couldn't just get him on the big bike without the training wheels. He's like, I'm going to fall. I'm going to die, Dad. You're not going to die, son. But let's put the training wheels on, right? It's this kind of... And that's God's, God actually does this with us. He, he gives us time to see him come through and we have training wheels on. But what he wants us to do is we mature and as we trust in God and as we see him come through... He wants us to take a step of faith, which is like, God, I don't need the training wheels anymore. I can trust in you. And that's what happens. And even as you give 10%, God can even grow you to give beyond that because you've seen him come through again and again. He's, he's not allowed you to fall. And so if you're spinning financially and you've been walking with God a long time and you're not giving 10%, that could be a big part of it. You could be like a full grown adult on a bike with training wheels. Is that going to go that well? No, right? The, the training wheels are going to bend and you're not going to get traction. The reason I'm explaining this, this is actually real life. As we talk about money and finances and God and how he fits in all that, that, this is reality. And God is in the middle of all this. So I encourage you, think about where you are. And again, free of just feeling guilty or feeling like comparing or what people think about me, just... Before God asks, God, what, what is it that, that you want me to take from this? And I, I encourage you, just take time to do that and see, see kind of what God, what God tells you. As I close out and wrap up, I want to invite the band back up and I'm just going to give you some next steps based on what I've just said. On the connection card that John had you fill out, uh, if you're not finished filling that out, go ahead and do that now. And then we're going to be receiving our offering and you can drop that completed connection card in there. Uh, but here's some next steps. If you have any wrong attitudes about giving or just your current financial picture or anything related to money right now, just ask God to show you maybe what one of those attitudes could be. See what, see what he shows you. Just ask him that. Ask him it honestly. God, I don't know if I have a wrong attitude or a wrong perspective, but will you just show me what, what that is? And then the second is uh, start giving a percentage and increase it in faith. If, if you've never given at all, I encourage you to just take that small step of faith and, and see what God does. And then the third is just blank. If there's just another step that you need to take, uh, you can write that in there as well. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing a song back to God as we receive our offering. Let's pray together. God, just like David prayed thousands of years ago, we, we recognize that all we have comes from you. And you are the God and ruler of all. You are majestic and powerful and victorious. And you are good to us. And so God, as we give back to you, we actually don't do it void of all that you've given us. We do it just full of the blessings that you've already given us. Even just the blessing of life. Just the breath of life that you've given us today is a blessing from you in your hand. And so we thank you for the life that you've given us. We thank you for the resources you've given us. We thank you for the relationships that you've given us. Help us to live our life, God, in view of your mercies and in view of your blessings. 
and with a willingness to give back all that we have back to you. So we ask for your help as we wrestle with this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.